Now, welcome to the CatTunes podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Crowley. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And uh, welcome you listening to the Catunes Podcast. This is episode 75. Today I'm going to be talking about a song called Choices and Chances. This is the eighth track from the Love and Space album, which was recently released. Well, not so very recently, but however, recently, relatively recently released. Uh, and um, now I'm telling the stories behind these songs. And Really, it is not a complicated album. It is not a super complicated album, to put it bluntly. A lot of the things that are being uh, told in the lyrics and through the music are pretty straightforward and uh, on the surface. I would say it's a very generalized album. So today I'm going to be talking about choices and chances. Um, now, by generalized I do not mean that the songs were intended to be shallow. Generalized doesn't mean shallow. Uh, they are just not as... Uh, some of them are very personal, alright? Some of them are more generalized, some of them are less. But I've tried to... I've tried my best to uh, make these songs as relatable as possible to anybody. So like Choices and Chances, for example, the song that I'm going to be talking about today, uh, it's not just about me and my choices, and the chances that I've taken or missed, um, it's about pretty much everybody. And I've tried to think of it that way when I was reading, uh, when I was writing the lyrics, when I was um, working on this song, and I, when I was trying to deliver a broader philosophical message. Let's put it this way. Everybody has a choice. Everybody is presented with a set of choices, basically every day, and everybody gets some chances. Sometimes those are chances that, you know, people miss, and they miss them because they look out only for what they expect, and uh, they miss out on the opportunities that present themselves in plain sight. So this is a song about this too. It's about a lot of things. And um, but before we dive into the lyrics, because I will read the lyrics as usual, um, I want to just say that originally when I was working on the music for this song, Leo again brought me a brought me a demo chord progression, something, and. Um, 140 BPM is kind of a tricky BPM because uh, I didn't want to use like a disco type beat 
and I didn't want to stick to a monotonous kind of beat. I needed a groove that would be interesting, that would be kind of tattered and torn in a sense, but not too much. Uh, and at the same time, something that wouldn't be too repetitive. I needed something. But one difficulty about this song was also that it didn't have a hook at all, so I needed to dream up a hook and make something, some section of the song, a hook. And that's why, when you're listening to it, uh, it has this chord progression that sort of resembles a verse, you know, we're starting there, and then all of a sudden there's something that looks like a bridge, all of a sudden across, it's sort of counterintuitive. It crosses, uh, uh, crosses the natural feel of where the sequence should end into another sequence, and you can hear it through the intensity of the drums and guitars, but not through the chord progression. It's a little bizarre, because you have this verse that is like um, 16 chords, basically. 16 measures, right? And 16 chords. Then there's a bridge that is another um, 6... No, actually, that is 14 chords. 14, not 16. And then after that, we're going into a hook, and a hook is just 6 measures. And it's not because I've intended it to be this way. It's not because I wanted to complicate things. No, it's because the original uh, demo that Leo uh, presented me with had it that way. And I had to make something out of it because he didn't have a hook. So I needed to make something into a hook. Uh, the entire, the intro theme... Bum, 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 bum. This one, uh, which starts the song and shows up again and again and again. I've written it. I I realized that this song needs something. Otherwise, it's just it's like half of a song. It needs something. Uh, it's going to be incomplete if it doesn't have a powerful riff to drive it. And then out of this intro riff, this da dum bum 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 bum. Uh, I've also created uh, the outro, and the outro, I've made the outro the focal point of the whole song. Everything, everything leads to this focal point, and this focal point is repeated four times in the end. We will get there, you will hear it. Uh, but a lot of this happened, these structural peculiarities, let's put it this way, these structural peculiarities were put in place consciously, because the original demo did not have a hook, it uh, was very far from anything like a complete song demo or anything like that. It had a very vague verse without really a melody, it had just a one long chord progression that repeated itself twice, that's it, nothing else. I mean, you need a focal point in a song. You can't go with just, you know, let's repeat it twice and call it a day. That's not a song. You need, in a musical composition, you need a an exposition, you need uh, to develop things, to build up things, and then you need the um, climactic point to bring something somewhere, and then the fallout, the outro, the conclusion. And when 
structurally a musical piece, you know, or a demo doesn't have it, one has to create it. You see what I'm saying? Um, so that's what I wanted to say structurally about choices and chances. Uh, another thing, oh gosh, the production process was uh, pretty crazy because by the time we were recording uh, bass and drums in Kiev with uh, Norton and Alex, Alex was fine. He recorded his part, and um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really a complicated song to play. I guess uh, yes, it's one forty BPM, but it's nothing like it's not uh, Mike Portnoy type of type of song. Not really. Uh, I was getting into an argument with Alex, the drummer, because I wanted him to reinforce the uh, in the outro the final. Uh, two sequences. I wanted him to reinforce them with additional toms, just like Slipknot. I wanted him to, after he recorded the uh, sitting drum kit, I wanted him to play another track with only toms. Tum, 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 tum. This kind of stuff to emphasize the that half-time sequence in the outro. And Alex was like, well, why do you need this? And blah, blah, blah. The kick drum is going to be enough. And I'm like, please, Alex. Please do it for me. Please give me some more additional toms. Uh, we don't have, we didn't have timbales um, at the studio, so he just played the floor toms, uh, the floor tom. Once again, and I think it turned out great. I don't know why was he arguing with me. I don't know what was the uh, what was the problem playing that. Um, Ultimately, it turned out awesome. Another thing, another difficulty was uh, the bass guitar and uh, the guitars because, uh, yes, while it is 140 BPM, all right. So uh, I give Norton, the bass player, I give him the MIDI uh, file for the bass part, and he looks into that MIDI text, um, and he had to basically storm this song and record it. Gosh, in two or th three days, I guess. I, I, as far as I remember, it took him like three days to record this track because of the riffing, because of all the because of this and it's one thing to just program the bass you know like it originally was just programmed but it's a different thing to actually play it you know and Norton is a good bass player Norton is a good bass player what makes the difference is you know nowadays for example when I'm writing music when I'm producing music I have a real bass guitar standing right in the next room. So I can pick up that bass, I can look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, okay, so the fingering is gonna be... Well, this fingering is gonna be crazy. This is not gonna be a comfortable part to play. So how do we reduce this and how do we make it more playable? Back in the day, in 2013, when um, I was working on this album, while we were, when we were recording this album, I didn't have that knowledge, I didn't have a bass guitar um, around, and yeah, sure enough, I could could have used the power of my imagination, but I didn't. And that um, that's exactly the factor that made it so difficult for Norton, despite uh, him being a good 
an objectively good bass player. Uh, that's what made it so difficult for him to actually perform that bass part and play it. It's difficult. And then Bob, uh, the owner of the studio, uh, who was recording the guitars, he had uh, a little bit of a problem with some of these guitar parts because now he had to follow the bass and, you know, stick to the riff, that kind of stuff. But that's generally speaking the problem with uh, the music, with the kind of music that is not written on an instrument. You know what I mean? When you pick up a guitar and you make up a riff, or at least when you have an idea for a riff in your head and you pick up a guitar, an actual guitar, or a bass guitar, and you start playing, you're like, okay, well, well, yeah, this is this is good. And this, yeah, quite playable, I can do it. You know, that's one thing. But it's another thing when you go with just when you don't have a guitar around and you don't have a bass guitar around and you just um, theoretically construct that, uh, but then some things just fall out of the picture and then they become problematic uh, when it comes to recording the instrument. Because now you you have to uh, consider all sorts of fingering. Sometimes it's just insanely difficult. You know what I mean? So there's a difference between approaches. Nowadays, I think I'm blessed to have this opportunity to have all these instruments uh, around me and being able to pick up a guitar, you know, in natural tuning or a guitar in drop tuning, like my um, acoustic baritone guitar, uh, which is tuned a whole uh, fifth down, but still is in normal uh, tuning. Uh, or my electric guitar in its own specific tuning in drop A, and then uh, natural tuned electric guitars, which are around, and the bass guitar, and another bass guitar, and a cello that I have here. I can put my fingers on these instruments and I can estimate, at least, what is it going to be like to play it. Is it playable at all, or is it not worth the effort? Because in the end of the day, when you're performing or you're recording something, it really matters how smoothly things are running. And it doesn't need to be more, more difficult than it already is. You know, for, for the sake of what? For the sake of breaking your fingers, straining your fingers, who, who cares, you know? In the end, the only thing that really matters is does it sound good and consistent with, um, with the plan, with the creative plan, or no? Is it consistent with the creative vision or is it not? And how can we do it the simplest way possible? That's what you know, the way I approach it. But it wasn't the case back in the day. So, poor Norton um, and uh, Bob, too. And um, that was difficult. But I'm glad they pulled it off. Um, huge kudos for them. Huge kudos to them for pulling this off. Um, it was tough. This was one of the tough tracks, really. Um, and... Um, They've done a wonderful job, I think. But anyways, with all that out of the way, let me get into the lyrics. Uh, this song doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but I think a lot of it, again, just like with a lot of other songs on this album, is pretty much self-explanatory. So... What are the choices? Did I ever have any? What are the chances? Few are too many. Something to fake before I know that it's coming. Something to lose until I feel that it's going away to where I could be, or to where I might have stayed. Today, 
Do I belong to the paths I take, or they belong to me? Am I awake, or do I dream of perfect skies that will remain untouched and distant? I don't know when I choose and when I'm chosen. I don't know, do I live my life? What are the chances? Are all of them taken? What were the choices, the ones I've mistaken? Something forsaken before it's born into my world. Something forbidden has never ever been unfurled. I hide wherein I can't stay, but do my best to run away. Today, do I belong to the ways I passed, or they belong to me? I'm still awake, but what if my dreams are perfect lies that always were the only reason to find out when I choose and when I'm chosen? I don't know, do I live my life? The choices, the chances, I don't know, do I live my life? Do I choose when chosen? I don't know, do I live my life? The choices, the chances, I don't know, do I live my life? A fate or a free will, I don't know, do I live my life? So these are the lyrics, lyrics for the song. I don't know if I have to explain anything at all. I don't think that I really have to because... I'll just say one thing. Um, it is kind of an interesting philosophical conundrum, I guess. Do you really choose or things present themselves to you? How do you, how do you see it? You can then ask, well, maybe the things that present themselves to me right now are the result of my previous choices. You know what I mean? I'm here today, and I got what I got, because these were the choices that I made three, five, ten years ago. So it's not random. It's not a coincidence. Would I have not taken the steps that I have taken ten years ago, I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been here right now, presented with a new set of choices and chances, it would have been something totally different. So this is what this song is really about. Is it really me who have chosen this path or did the path choose me? And it's a little bit... Um, the way the song is written is deliberately written the way to make you think. It's not... It's an open question. It doesn't provide a conclusive answer. It doesn't tell you how things really are. It just raises the question. And I think it's a very interesting question. It's something to think about. What are the choices? And what are the chances? Now, with that being said, let's move on to music analysis, shall we? which is not a very... I've just said in the previous uh, segment, I just said that there are consequences when you don't write um, something on an instrument, when you actually go with other motivations. 
like when you when you program music or when you're bound by the original key or something like this. G minor is not a very guitar key, let's put it this way. It's not a very comfy key. There are flats there in this key, you know what I mean? So fingering-wise, you know, you got to take into account a few things. You know, either you, you will have to retune the guitars, you know, but there is only so so much you can do. So um, this is an uncomfortable key. I wouldn't say that it's a good key, a good guitar key for a bass guitar or for an electric guitar, especially in drop tuning. Not a good idea, really. Unless, of course, tuned everything is in G, well, then you're free to go. But no, that wasn't the case with the instruments that um, Norton and uh, Bob had in 2013-2014. But anyways, so the key is G minor. The BPM is 140, and of course I'm not going to play it in 140. Uh, as usual, I'm going to play segments from the song, and I'm going to go through the intro up until the first verse, then I'm going to pause there and comment. Let's listen. Starting out with a riff, uh, with the bass riff that just plays over and over again three times. It repeats itself three times. top of all of this and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up through uh, through three repetitions on top of that there are some uh, trumpets live recorded trumpets uh, at the time I was trying to convince Leo to give these parts to my brother Alan and Leo didn't want to do that so he hired a different uh, player and I was conducting the recording process in the studio so that trumpet player was like very skeptical about the part and he was like, well, it's rock music, blah, blah, blah. He was an older guy and I'm like, well, please play it as if you're playing Dixie uh, or as if you're playing the big band, the big band jazz kind of stuff. He's like, no, well, it's not going to fit. I'm like, please, sir, play it exactly that way. There's a little bit of gypsy feel to it, uh, to these phrases um, in the trumpet. The first one that kind of leads into the second, uh, second or third repetition uh, of the riff. Um, it uses natural minor on one hand, but on the other hand, it uses also the augmented fourth. Uh, of the key. It's an F, D, C sharp, 
uh, B flat, an A, and then it goes into a G. Uh, the second phrase, again, a little bit of chromatic action going on there, sounds kind of jazzy, kind of gypsy jazzy, I guess. And the last phrase, it goes into a G. Uh, with a slide down. Basically, uh, this intro sets the stage for a somewhat buoyant, uh, very energetic continuation for the song. It sets up the engine for the song to run. Now let's move on to the first verse and listen to it. What are the choices? Did I ever have any? What are the chances? Fewer to many. Something to thank before I knew that it's coming. Something to lose until I feel that it's going away. To where I could be. Or to where I might have stayed. Today, do I belong to? Here, uh, the rhythm in the bass part continues uh, just like it did previously in the intro. The, st the stage is set in the intro for whatever's going to happen in the verse. Mm. Of course, the notes are changing. I'm not going to replicate the rhythm, but I'm going to just uh, illustrate what the chords are. What are the choices? Did I ever have any? What are the chances? Fewer to many. Something to think before I know that it's coming Something to lose until I feel that it's going away To where I could be Or to where I might have stayed Here's what's going on there. So we have a G minor Again, it's a pretty classical chord progression. There's a G minor, then there is a C minor minus 7, a B flat major, a E flat major plus 7, C minor, D major minus 7, to a D major minus 7 on the base of F sharp, a C minor, again, D major uh, minus 7, D major minus 7 on the base of F sharp, uh, away G minor G major to where I couldn't be C minor C major on the base of E R to where A major minus uh, minus 7 A major minus 7 on the base of C sharp I might have stayed 
D major minus 7, and then the same chord on the bass of F sharp. And then we're going into the bridge. So this is the bridge. I've kind of roughly illustrated, uh, illustrated it. Uh, it's pretty difficult to sing and play this, and I've roughly estimated uh, what's going on there. Rather illustrating just the sequence and the feel of it. <clears throat> Today, do I belong to the path I take? speaking that's what's going on there uh, so what is this uh, chord progression in the bridge G minor G major C minor C major F minor a passing um, F sharp diminished 7 chord but I would rather say that it's a D major minus 7 on the base of F sharp then again G minor A major uh, on the on the base of A then D minor minus 7 on the base of F sharp actually then a uh, G minor on the base of B flat then a D minor on the base of A then an A major minus 7 and D minor and then we're going after that right into the hook which starts which lasts just basically six chords six measures long uh, and starts with a B flat major. I don't know when I choose, and when I'm chosen, 
going straight into the riff again. So, uh, we're starting with a B flat major. I don't know when I choose into an E flat major. Then we're going into a G, uh, excuse me, into a uh, G major on the base of B. And when I'm chosen into C minor, and then an A flat major plus seven, as if we're in C minor. I don't know till I live my life. So then there is an A flat major plus seven, uh, D major. Uh, minus 7 into a G minor, and we're back in the original key. So that's how it works. Now let's listen uh, further, starting with the second verse, uh, all the way through to the outro. What are the chances? Are all of them taken? What are the choices? The ones I'm mistaken? Something forsaken, the forest born into my world. Something forbidden has never ever been unfurled. Basically, um, starting from verse 2 through the bridge and then through the second hook, it's exactly the same story. The, um, the way the same chord progression translates uh, into the verse, bridge and hook, is, gonna, is kind of slightly different. The way it is arranged, and now instead of... Now you have... This is uh, probably the most notable difference. There is a half time this time. And uh, the second verse, the way it starts, starts with basically nothing except for a distant piano and no bass guitar there again. Then everything kicks in back in again and all of a sudden this almost EDM feel that we're getting from the uh, first half of the second verse has evaporated and we're going into something that rather resembles uh, metal music. Okay, so after this section, we're going right into the outro. Let's listen to the outro. Hey, the chances, the chances.
So the outro basically repeats itself how many times? Uh, four times. It's the same chord progression with slightly different vocals. And I'm not going to belt a lot of that stuff right now. But just to show you. First of all, there's a little trick. Uh, this little trick is contained in the first chord. We are formally and quite obviously, though, we are in G minor. But because of this little A-flat that happens there, it sets things a little off and gives the illusion that we are not really in G minor. It feels mm, the chances, the chances, I don't know to live my life. Do I chose when chosen? I don't know to live my life. This half tone creates the illusion that we are in C minor. It gives this first chord a very kind of odd feel, like where are we going with this? But then the next chord, D major, feels like, oh, now I see, because it feels like a dominant chord, right? And then instead of going into the root, into G minor, we're going into C minor, going into the fourth, then going back to the sixth, uh, uh, E flat major, right? So, uh, what's going on in this, chord, uh, in this chord progression? It all starts with an E flat major plus seven. The chances, the chances, I don't know to live my life. Do I chose what chosen? I don't know to live my life. The chances, the chances. So the chord progression is um, an E flat major, D major minus seven, C minor minus seven, E flat major plus seven, G minor, G, uh, G minor on the base of uh, B flat, F major, then a chromatic. Uh, passing E major and back to E flat major plus seven and this repeats itself four times and then in the end we're landing just dies off and there's a little bit of piano 
whatever is being played in the end, all of it happens in the end on the chord of E flat major. So, there we go. This is what happens in this song. And with that being said, let's move on to the next section, shall we? So as you can hear, um, Choices and Chance is really not a difficult song. Uh, it's not as uh, harmonically complicated as High Tide, for example, the first, the very first track. And it's not as... I don't want to say it's not as deep as Love in Space, uh, the song that precedes Choices and Chance, the previous track. Uh, it's just less... It's, it's just more straightforward. I think it's a lot more straightforward. Yes, it has some variety, you know, as far as that halftime section in the second part as compared to the um, fast-paced uh, version of it in the first uh, part of the song. And then there is that uh, big outro with um, some heavy guitars and all this, you know, everything coming in and just, you know, stomping to the end of the song. Um, Sure, but neither is it rhythmically really difficult or complicated, nor is it harmonically complicated. It's pretty straightforward. The melodies are pretty straightforward. Actually, I would argue that this song is probably uh, one of the most pop songs on this album, just like T-minus, the fifth track. T-minus is a very pop song. Not like Blind or My Quake, uh, my Quake and Blind, they're kind of complicated, you know. Harmonically, there's a lot of modulation. High Tide is pretty complicated. With the modulations again and, you know, things going here and there and elsewhere. But um, Zero Gravity, T- and Choices and Chances are probably the most pop songs on the entire album. Well, maybe the next one as well, uh, which is called Your Desperate World. They're pretty straightforward, pretty simple. So, I hope you've enjoyed this analysis. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping, as usual, I'm hoping that some people might find it useful that I'm, um, you know, the kind of analysis that I'm providing. I'm trying not to go too deep. Of course, there is a lot more to the song, and um, you can go talking about music for a long while. Uh, I'm just trying to give the basics and um, try to explain, try to, try to give you some context and try to give you uh, a few interesting stories that usually accompany um, some of my albums and some of my songs. As well as, I'm hoping that, you know, some basic theoretical breakdown of whatever's going on uh, might be helpful, you know, because some people... Uh, some people uh, are just getting started, you know, with learning theory, music theory, and uh, some people might actually use it in their own songwriting. So that's basically the point. Um, and this is where I'm going to be wrapping up this episode. So if you haven't heard any of my music at all, of course, number one, number one, I want to recommend highly for you to go and check out the Love and Space album on any major streaming platform. Doesn't matter where you check it out. Uh, if you like this music, please share it with your friends. Um, save it to your library, uh, add it to your playlists, uh, all of this helps. If you really do appreciate the effort uh, that I'm making here, if you like my music, if you like what I'm doing, uh, 
please share this music. This will help. This will really help. Um, and check out my other albums. Some of them are darker and heavier, some of them are lighter and kind of more poppy, others are kind of chill wave, others are really experimental. And uh, I'm hoping that you might find something for yourself. I'm deliberately not sticking to one genre. I like to do uh, music wherever it takes me. Let's put it this way. And uh, one of the platforms you can check me out on is also YouTube. I do have an official artist channel on YouTube, Catherine Crowley. Uh, look me up there, and um, if you go to check out my YouTube channel, you might want to check out Cat Vibes. This is my series, which is, I have a cat talk where I'm talking, actually talking about stuff that is not related to music for the most part. And then I have a Cat Vibes series where I'm posting casual footage of me recording guitars, recording drums, recording vocals. And, you know, in addition to that, some casual just background footage, you know, some landscape stuff, some, you know, driving through Kentucky or doing something in the backyard, you know, or my cats, you know, this kind of stuff. So it's a more relaxed format. And at the same time, there's plenty of um, plenty of videos where I'm actually demonstrating. Uh, I'm sitting there and recording things. So if you want to see the process you can actually go and check me out on uh, YouTube. And if you like my content, please subscribe. I will appreciate this. Uh, also, I want to invite you to check out my other business, which is Skin Health and Aromatherapy. Uh, it's called Southern Caracal. Uh, recently, for some odd reason, Anchor has taken away this um, this thing they had. Uh, you could I could put links in the description uh, to every episode. Nowadays, somehow... I don't know, is it um, something to do with Apple, maybe, with Apple Podcasts or something like that? Somehow I can't put the link in the description. I I could put it before, nowadays I can't. So I guess I'll just put it in text, southerncaracal.com. Uh, check out, uh, check out uh, my website. I've got uh, skin healing soaps. And aromatherapy soaps, I got uh, shampoo bars and uh, lotions and lip balms and bath bombs, this kind of products. All of it is very good for your skin. Um, all natural ingredients. Uh, if you have problems like eczema, psoriasis, dry skin or something like this, uh, our oatmeal honey soaps actually will help you solve your problem with your skin. See, our oatmeal and honey soaps and shampoos are specifically designed, they're, they're medicinal. In fact, it's not just any soap. It's not just, uh, it's not just some soap. It's not just some soap that smells good. It's not just made out of all natural ingredients. No, it's specifically designed to solve a problem. So check out our website, southerncaracol.com. Pick something for yourself, for your friends and family, and your skin and the skin of your friends and family will Thank you later. With that being said, I'm going to be wrapping up this episode. Thank you very much for being with me. I appreciate your time. And I love you and you'll hear me in the next episode.